Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. And he wasn't pontificating and acting like I'm so holy and why aren't you like me? He was just, just loving me and, and, and explaining, you know, what God had done in his life and why when the rest of us were sitting around talking like we had no business talking and thinking about things we had no business thinking about and, and you know, during downtime, doing stuff that salty Marines might normally do, he would be sitting over a corner with his Bible. And I can remember looking over there saying, what's he got that I don't have? Well, he didn't have something I didn't have. But praise God, I got it now. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. See, so there's one who can stab you. And you know what that, the, the imagery there is killing somebody. You're piercing them with a sword. You're killing them. But the one who speaks with wisdom promotes health. And by the way, that's not just physical but mental, emotional, and spiritual health. So see, the power of the tongue that Joshua 1, 8 introduces us to or talks to us about is extremely important. Everybody knows Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you will either eat the fruit of death from the erosion that the mouth causes, or you eat the fruit of life from the edification that the mouth causes. Amen? Amen. Amen. I told you all years ago, um, I preached a sermon on the first fruits of the lips. And I talked about the things we say when we first woke up, when we first wake up. And I say, you know, you, 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 you uh, marry couples when you wake up and you're, you're half grumpy and you're half, don't look over your wife, ugh. <laughs> or you look over your husband, mm. I said, but say something edifying. You know, say, say, get, and so my wife and I, every morning, that's what we say. We say something edifying to one another. You say, well, what is it? That's none of your business, but. <laughs> well, trust me. <laughs> it's something edifying. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, so keeping the word of God in your mouth is not just kind of artificially trying to stick the word in everywhere. It's about having it so much in your heart that it just comes out, it just flows out. So you think about it, it says, meditate in it day and night, think about it, ponder it, study it, imagine it. You know, when you read the scripture, you ought to see these scenes. You ought to see these scenes and just look at them in your mind's eye and sort of watch this situation unfold. I mean, there's some scenes like that I, I just love thinking about because you know, I, I keep thinking about when Jesus meets the woman at the well and the, the disciples have gone off to buy food and they come back and find him talking to a woman. And, and, and of course, you understand the mores of the time, women did not talk to men in public. It was not approved. It was not appropriate. So that's why the Bible says they marveled that he talked to a woman. And but then it says, but none of them dared ask. Why are you talking to a woman? So, I mean, I can just see them coming down. He's talking to a woman. Yeah. Why is he talking to a woman? I don't know. You ask him. I'm not asking him. You ask him. No, I'm not asking. You ask him. <laughs> but Jesus was, was about his father's business. And see, I, and I, I'm convinced there are other aspects of that story that we, 
we fail to, to understand. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways, like as we are, and yet without sin. See, I think that this woman's initial approach to him was really sexual. I really do. I think that she saw him as another guy. Because, I mean, she's had six. It's, 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 she likes men. I mean, that's, that's true, isn't it? <laughs> it's got to be, right? <laughs> he said, go call your husband. I don't have a husband. She didn't volunteer. I do have a boyfriend. <laughs> I don't have a husband. He said, you said, right, you don't have a husband. Because the last six men you've been with, you know, he said, the, the man you're with now is not your husband. Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. Um, you must be a prophet. Then she finally realizes, you know, where her, her, see, her thinking's in the flesh. But Jesus is dealing with the spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so think about it. Ponder it. Imagine it. See it in your mind. See it in your heart. Do this day and night. You know, when you lay down uh, in the, in, uh, on your bed at night, let the last thing you think about be the word of God. Just meditate on it. Just think about some scripture that you really like or, or just think about the Lord and how good he is to you and all that he's done for you. I sometimes lay down and say, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. You know, uh, some, some of those days I'm thanking God for, things didn't go that well. But I know God loves me and I know he's in it with me and I know it's going to be all right. Amen. Amen. I'm still here to deal with whatever the issues might be. Amen. So, so it, it's, it's, and by the way, it says day and night. Don't think of that as some legalistic, I got to do it in the morning, got to do it in the evening, got to do it twice a day. But think of that as a lot. I mean, do it a lot. You can start with day and night. You can start with morning and evening. But I don't think it's limiting it to that or saying that's, that's somehow the magic formula. It's just saying, just do it often. You know, like we use the expression 24-7. Well, we obviously don't mean 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because you got to spend some time sleeping, right? <laughs> but we mean a lot. I'm doing that. Man, I'm, I'm at, man, I'm at that 24-7, meaning I'm doing that a lot. Well, this is what this is saying. Always, always be meditating on the word of God because as you do that, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. And look, true success in the heart and the mind of God comes not out of the head and not out of your work, but out of your heart. Now, I didn't say that your head's not involved. I didn't say that work is not involved. But I'm saying, but the true success that God wants for us comes out of here. When God is trying to convince Abraham uh, to, to just, just flat out believe what he wants him to do, and Abraham's struggling with it, as you all know, right? Right? I mean, that's how Ishmael, Ishmael was born. He was wrestling with it a little bit. Amen? Amen. And when, you know, uh, uh, Sarah says, you know, here's Hagar, you can have a child by her. Here again, I, I think about these things. I, I can see Abraham saying, what'd you say? Are you sure? Yeah, 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 go ahead. I'm, I'm sure Abraham would say, well, if you want it, it must be what God wants. So clearly, Abraham was wrestling with it, but God told him when Abraham said, how about Eleazar, my, you know, let my servant be my heir. And God says, no, 
No, your air will come out of your body. That word body is a word that doesn't just mean your physical body. It means will come out of your inner being, will come out of your spirit. See, when Abraham, when you are ready, when you believe me, I'm going to produce a miracle out of you. See, so, so your success is not going to come, Abraham, by manipulating, well, let's, with Hagar, Eleazar, we'll find a way, we'll find a way to make what God says true. I, I'm going to bring it out of your spirit, out of your inner being. You all realize, don't you? Just, just stop and contemplate this for a second. Everything around you began in here. Somebody had an idea. Somebody had a thought. That thought then gets analyzed and, and worked on in the intellect to try to figure out how to... How can I produce that? What, what will that look like? That thought then gets talked about and expressed in some way. I mean, just think about it. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the water and God said, we are living in a word-based creation. And you and I are word-based creatures. And the power that produced everything begins in the heart of God with the word. And then God transmits that to us. You know, I, I, when I, I've taught on this, I don't have time to get into this right now. But, but God never said, Adam, I'm cursing the ground because of what you've done. He said to Adam, cursed is the ground for your sake. He didn't say, I'm doing it. Because the curse came out of Adam. Because of his connection with Satan. Because God had given Adam dominion over all the earth. So his vision changed, his vocabulary changed, his attitude toward his wife changed, his attitude toward God changed. All that stuff that's now running through him is affecting and influencing everything around him. And see, this is why, you know, I, sometimes I am amazed at Christians who don't get this. America had to be birthed in the heart of God. And that idea was put into the hearts of our founding fathers. Because you simply don't have a nation of this magnitude and this historic impact and this power and this ability and freedom and hope that is this centered in Christianity and biblical values. That simply doesn't happen by accident. But it began as an idea. What if we had a nation that said, no, the sovereign is not a king. The sovereign is the people. And the government, don't, the government doesn't uh, lord it over them so that they serve the government, but they are the sovereigns and the government serves them and answers to them. Wow, that's a revolutionary idea because nobody had ever done it before. It was unheard of. Now you had philosophers who theorized about it, but nobody had actually put it into practice. They put it into practice and look what it's produced. 
regardless of the flaws, regardless of the, in, the, 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 you know, the fact that we haven't done everything right, we understand that because we haven't as individuals, we haven't as a country. But compare that to the communist theorist Karl Marx and the implementation of his theory and the outcome of that. One has produced the highest standard of living the world has ever known and given more people freedom and hope and opportunity than any place has ever existed on the face of the earth, and the other has killed 100 million people. Produced more gulags, more concentration camps, more torture, more murder, more oppression, uh, uh, more subjugation and slavery of people than any system that ever has. Karl Marx's idea came out of the heart of the devil. And our founding father's idea came out of the heart of God. But it began, they just think, consider this vast nation from sea to shining sea and all of our satellites. It began as an idea in the hearts of some people. So we, we are a word-based creation and we are word-based creatures and this is really a word-based world. This is why it's so dangerous when people say they want to get rid of the Declaration of Independence because it's racist. And they want to get rid of the Constitution because that's racist. And it, you know, in other words, all of the important words that founded this nation, people would like to get rid of because if you can get rid of those words, you can establish some different words and therefore establish a different kind of country. Are you all with me? Amen. So true success comes from the heart, but it's released through the mouth. You, you'll never be successful if all you talk is failure. And we'll never save this country if all we talk about is, oh, what are we going to do now? We can't, we, can't, we can't beat them. We can't defeat them. They, we can't stop them. They, no, no, we, we can and we will. Because you know what? Jesus really already has. Amen. He already has. Praise God. All we've got to do is step into the victory that God has already given us. And I guarantee he's given us the victory. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. The Bible says he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I don't see an exception because we're a country. Amen. You know, we're the greatest nation on earth. But I guess I, I hope you know the Bible says the nations are but as a drop in the bucket to God. So it's not that God looks at America and says, well, I, I think I could deal with other nations, but that big behemoth there, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. <laughs> Boy, this is a tough one. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, confirms what we've been learning so far. Now, this psalm, by the way, is directed at men. There are times in the Bible things are translated man, but it actually means person. It's a, it's a nonspecific word in terms of gender, but this word is specific. But the principle is still the same, amen? The principle will apply to anyone, male or female. And that's all there is, two genders. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So, so basically what the psalm is saying is, if you don't listen or heed the advice and counsel of the wicked, the sinners, the scornful, people who mock God, and we're going to get to that in a second, don't do that says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now let's just pause on this. You can't meditate in the word day and night if you don't delight in it. You got to like it. You got to enjoy it. I can, I can start reading the word sometime and just see things that like, like I'm, 
I know I read that a hundred times. I didn't see that. And I just, I just get all happy reading the word of God. Amen. Listening to the word of God. So, so you, you've got to delight in it. And it may be, maybe you've gotten away from it. You've been so busy. So many things have happened. Go back to it. I, I, you know, I always go back to, I was unsaved, right? I got to reading the old covenant and got saved really on kind of the old covenant when I encountered King David and, and his courage and, and, and manliness. And it just, it just kind of brought me under conviction. And then his passionate love for God. And I thought, man, this guy is the real deal, but he really has this great love for God. So at some point around that time, I know it was now it was the Holy Spirit led me to start reading the New Testament. I started reading about Jesus and I came undone. I mean, it was like, yes. Look, I'd read the Bhagavad Gita. I'd read the Satanic Bible. I'd read Hinduism. I'd read Zoroastrianism. All, you know, all the, 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 I was a philosophy major in college and I'm reading all this junk, you know, Rene, Rene Descartes came up with a brilliant insight. I think, therefore I am. Wow. Give that man the Pulitzer Prize. But I'm reading all this stuff, you know, trying to find answers, trying to, you know, trying to understand what, you know, what, what is this really all about? I remember reading um, uh, books on uh, me meditation, which got me in trouble when my first book, when I referred to this, and they took it all out of context and, and had me say that anybody who do does yoga is satanic. Or, or and some, of your, some of yoga is satanic, but, but nevertheless, that anybody who does the exercises somehow is practicing demonology or something, which I've never said. But I read one meditation where it says, what you should do is pick a hair from your nose and put the hair on a plate in front of you and meditate on that hair until you so abhor that hair and then you abhor your body and then you have an out-of-body experience. So I was on a search, but when I started reading about Jesus, it was as if everything I was looking for, I knew I'd found. I mean, I, 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 I could just remember how my soul just leapt for joy, that he's what I've been looking for all along, and I just didn't know it. Amen. So we, we've, got to, we've got to make sure that we're letting people know that, amen, that he really is the answer. Praise God. Let's, let's not apologize for that. Amen. Don't, don't, don't have people making you think you're not tolerant. You're not decent. You're not because you're, you're <laughs> people. So, so you're telling us that unless we accept your Jesus, we're going to hell. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Yep. Next question. So we ought, to, we ought to enjoy the word of God, amen? Then it says in the third verse of Psalm 1, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. Now scholars believe that this is a reference to the fact that Jews uh, caused the desert to blossom by building these long canals from rivers to places where they wanted to, to, to plant trees. And they created such lush vegetation in places that had been desert. By, by building these canals. When they say he shall be like a tree planted by the streams of the rivers. So they would create streams from the rivers. They said then it will bring forth fruits in, in its season, but its leaf won't wither. In other words, it's constantly being fed. It's constantly being watered. Amen. And that's what the word of God will do for us. It will make us fruitful with no dry season. 
And it says, so then whatever he does will prosper. Salah, the same word is in Joshua 1.8, to prosper. And the prosper here again is like success. You can't separate that from God's moral order. It is to go to the highest and best place in that which is desirable. So you can't, you know, it's a contradiction in terms to talk about a successful drug dealer. That's a contradiction in terms. Because where do they end up? Dead or in a maximum security prison? That's success. That's what awaits you as a result of all your hard work and your warehouses full of money. So, so, but the word of God tells us, no, God's success, God's prosperity is to go to the highest place in that which is desirable based on the way God has gifted you and, 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 and imbued you with talents and with abilities and with, with insight. And by the way, this, I have I not commanded you. Now, I, don't, you know, I used to think, well, that refers to commanding Joshua to be a strong, courageous leader. But I really believe that that refers as well to be strong and courageous in keeping the word of God in your mouth and in your heart, because there will be plenty of reasons not to. And plenty of opportunities not to. And does that apply today? Oh, my goodness gracious. See, it takes strength and courage in this day and time to keep the word of God in your mouth and in your heart. You know that? All the distractions, all the opposition. And by the way, parents, don't let your children run wild on this Internet. The more I, I've learned, the more I realize that, this, that, that it's, like, it's like releasing them into a jungle with all kinds of predators who are waiting to pounce. Amen? But look. Uh, Representative Greg Stubbe of Florida quoted on the House floor Deuteronomy 22.5. He said, a woman must not wear men's clothing nor a man wear women's clothing for the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. And then he went on to explain it this way. He said, it's not clothing or personal style that offends God, but rather the use of one's appearance to act out or take on a sexual identity different from the one biologically given to you by God at birth. So what's happening when men, women, and children do that is they're making a statement that God didn't know what he was doing when he created them. And if Congress supports that, he says, by passing extreme transgender bills like the Equality Act, then this country is going directly against what is laid out in Scripture. The chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler, responded, God's will is no concern of this Congress. God's will is no concern of this Congress. And he's a liar. Because if it weren't for God's will, there wouldn't be a Congress. What an idiot. But look, and he's chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which is charged, they oversee Homeland Security, the FBI, the, 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 the Secret Service, and, and a whole bunch of other, the Justice Department. He's a very powerful man in Congress, and he's got the nerve to stand up flat-footed on the House of Congress and say before God and, and angels and everybody else, God's will is no concern to us. No fear of God. By the way, Democrats Al Green and Catherine Clark joined in and called Congressman Stubbe a transphobic and an intolerant. Al Green's a black Democrat from the 9th District of Texas. I only point that out because I have no doubt that he got the votes of many black Christians down in Texas. 
So Christians sent him to Congress so he could stand up and blaspheme Almighty God and attack a Christian who's simply standing up for the word of God. And I want to charge you Christians, you black Christians who are voting for these demonic Democrats and sending them to Congress so they can stand up and blaspheme God. You're going to bring the curses that they're bringing on themselves on you and your children if you don't stop it. You better stop it. When you cast that vote, you are sowing a seed, and that seed's going to bring a harvest. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. You better wake up. You better stop it. And, and this woman, Catherine um, uh, Clark, is from Massachusetts, where you got a big Catholic community, and the Catholic Church teaches against this stuff as well. Um, in fact, many Catholic adoption agencies were closed because the left wouldn't let them remain open because they wouldn't place children with homosexual couples. They closed them down. I think the Supreme Court's decision, I think, is going to begin to open that up again. But, but to show the, the opposition to God's design for the family, and I'll say the same thing to you Catholics. In these places like Massachusetts, got a big Catholic community, voting for these people who spit in God's face, trample the sacraments, tell you, you what you believe is garbage, and they don't have care anything about it or care anything about your God, and then you go to the voting booth and vote for them. I mean, it's an abomination to God for us as Christians to do that. And then do it in our name because often it's, it's a lot of Christians and Protestants and Catholics who are responsible for sending them to, in the office and then they stand up and spit in the faces of the very constituents that sent them by telling them, we agree with Jerry Nadler, God has no place in Congress. Tell our founding fathers that because they saw it differently. Amen. 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 So we as Christians have got to realize there's no success in God's kingdom without strength and courage. You've got to be willing to stand up. You can't let this stuff go on and not say anything, not do anything. Thank God for these parents all over the country who are standing up. You can call us whatever you want. We will oppose, Christ, we will oppose this critical race theory until we breathe our last breath because this stuff is godless. It is, is anti-democratic. Uh, that is, it is anti-freedom, anti-liberty. It is, it is an abomination. It is Marxist in its origins, and we will not have it. Amen. We will not have it in our schools, teaching our children that they don't know their gender until we tell them. And then, and then, and then in Virginia, as I've said, then the teacher has a right and responsibility to keep that from the child's parents. If the child once, one day, as a result of the indoctrination, stands and says, well, I'm not sure, you know, what my gender is. Then teacher says, don't worry, Johnny. We won't tell your parents. This stuff is insidious. It is evil. It is wicked. So that's why we're launching Youth With A Stand, because we got to get to these young people and give them the truth. Amen? Because you've got, you've got this teacher's union standing up there, basically declaring war on parents. Just basically saying, we don't care what you think. We've got a... a, 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 a a legal defense fund, we're going to defend our right to teach these children whatever we want to teach them and leave it to us experts. Yeah, right. I, will, I tell you what we better do, better get our children out of these places. I say run for school board, sure, try to take over, absolutely, but don't let your children become the, 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 the meat in the grinder for these perverse people who think they know better than God and they know better than parents, amen? Amen. Amen. 
So we got to challenge ourselves. Put the word of God in our mouths and in our hearts. Uh, I, to talk to these young people, I've experienced this before. They said most of their Christian friends, their Christian friends, believe there's nothing wrong with same-sex marriage. They're Christian friends. See, because here's what they bought into this idea that if I oppose that, I'm a hater. And I, I don't, I don't want to hate anybody. And You know, right, love is love and all, the, all this nonsense. But we got to give them courage, amen? Give them the word of God. Say, look, no, you stand up for the word of God no matter what. And who, no matter who doesn't like it, if they're really your friends, they will not hate you for it. They'll come to thank you for it.